This is TV Podcast Industries for Watchmen Episode 7 Feedback. Welcome back, fellow watchers. We're back with our feedback on the explosive episode seven of The Watchmen and almost religious all. Loads of feedback, really, on this episode. And I'm really delighted to be here with both of my colleagues, both my fellow podcasters. I'm Derek, one of your hosts. Hello there, fellow watchmen. Welcome back to the seventh bulletin of our Atomic Watchers. (laughs) I am one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this giggling threesome, I am Chris. (laughs) <laughs> I am so glad you reminded me that that's what we call this, the seventh bulletin of our Atomic Watchers. For some reason, I forget it every week. When we're in the seventh week, I and mean, I still can't remember well, it. Well, it is a bit of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. I do like a good mouthful. That's though. what she said. Well, quite. Yes. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go old school. Oh, no, that. that's what he said. Of course. But great news, guys. One of our segments of the uh, the feedback episodes is gone what Derek got wrong last week seems to be <laughs> seems to be missing this week which is awesome thank you very much our fellow watchers for not sending me in corrections to things I've said in the past well I, I think the fellow watchers are just being very kind they might be they yes. might be it was Thanksgiving recently in the I'm US sh- so yeah. maybe they just took a week off I'm sure you got plenty wrong actually <laughs> Thanks very much. well let's get straight into it let's get on to our email feedback if you want to send in any kind of feedback to us for episodes as you know we record our thoughts on the episode itself before the episode is released usually which has been really good and then we do a feedback episode after the fact talking about all of the things that you thought about the episode and some of the things like like pizzapedia and those background sections that are up on the hbo.com website and please send us any thoughts that you have to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our facebook play page and facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and let us know your thoughts on the spoiler posts over there Yes, and of course, remember, there is always voicemail as well. You can go onto our website and leave up to 90 seconds of your lovely thoughts uh, and your dulcet tones to be played back on the podcast. Just click on the right-hand tab of the website over on tvpodcastindustries.com. And remember, we also have our Watchmen pub quiz John will give out a question about the this episode of the show, and you have to put together all of the answers for all the episodes so far, all the questions so far, and send them into us before our feedback on episode nine podcast. And we will give away a Watchmen related prize. How are you coming along with getting that one, Chris? Good, good, good. Yep, it's in the bag, yep. and uh, it will be flying or winging its way through uh, Watchmen related mail, potentially in Archie Mobile to the our beautiful listeners at the end of this season. <laughs> Excellent. We will release what that is by the end of the season, I promise. <laughs> Let's get on with our feedback for this episode. John, do you want to give us the email feedback or Chris? Yes, so we got some feedback uh, over on email uh, to feedback at TV Podcast Industries. The first up was uh, some thoughts from Ben Owlsley. He said, hey guys, great episode 7 podcast. Some things I saw on Reddit I just read that you may have seen already but have to share with you. First up, Laurie's dildo was called the Excalibur. Get it? Excalibur. So yes, good. Right. <laughs> Very good. I did not. I had seen this on Reddit after and I was like, oh my God, how did we never catch that? <laughs> Next up, he also said the episode title was A God Walks Into a Bar. A God Walks Into a Bar? Yeah, yeah. And we've said that Dr. <laughs> See, Manhattan was yep. a god. Uh, uh-huh. There's also a lot of Superman references with a bar i.e. being the first black Superman, 
Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that one a little bit more uh, when we get into the PCpedia section later on in the episode. Yes. Cal, uh, which is Clark Kent's uh, Kryptonian birth name. And finally, when Cal first meets Laurie at the funeral and says, have we met before? See, that one I really like, the idea that Cal meets Laurie at the funeral and says, have we met before? Of course, that's really important because Laurie was Dr. Manhattan's ex-girlfriend. They would have had the relationship in the past. So Cal seeing her for the first time and going, have we met before? Her also complimenting him on how really, truly good looking Cal is when she's talking about him uh, to Angela later on is also a little reference to the fact that Laurie finds what's inside Cal quite attractive, I suppose. Yes, his big brain. Mm-hmm. Benjamin went on to say, I'm sure there's a million more, uh, but it's so fun finding all the breadcrumbs now. Could not share them all with you. My favourite is Excalibur, of course. One thing I thought of with the pigs in the courtroom was that little boy in the Trust in the Law film in the first episode was holding a pig in his hands while deciding what to do with the the white sheriff, the, 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 the bad guy. Might be some symbolism here. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't actually remember that. But now you brought it up, it kind of has flooded back to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, probably not too much. Probably just a wink and a nudge from later on. But we'll definitely see where that goes. Rounding out his first email, Ben said, I also find it interesting when I saw the Vietnamese person carrying a head of lettuce at the fair before the backpack bomb went off. Only watched this episode once since it came out last night, so I might find more stuff uh, if I get a, another watch of it, but what this is what I've got so far. Thanks again for the great podcast and all your insights and commentary. Really enjoying it. True to his word, Ben also gave us a second email after he had got his uh, second rewatch in. His second email started with, I thought of a couple more things. Are you guys tired of my emails yet? No. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you send them, we'll read them. <laughs> Ben went on to say, I keep thinking maybe there's something with the gold Vite statue in Lady True's office. Like maybe mm-hmm. Vite is trapped mm-hmm. in the statue, but his brain is still alive and functioning. And all these scenes with him on Europa are in his mind and he's feeling bad for what he's done in the past. Just an idea. Could very well be wrong. I also love all the elephant iconography and imagery around Lady True. Even her haircut looks like elephant tusks on the side and her collar even looks like True's logo to me. That may well be a bit of a stretch, but I feel I can't put off a tiny bit of detail past these creators. Ben actually included a photograph for us as well. And when you see it, it's uh, the scene when she was talking in this episode to Angela downstairs mm-hmm. uh, in the room with the all of the, the Dr. Manhattan phone booths. Um, yes, with the, uh, with the planet Earth in there. Yeah, I have to say I agree with them. I see the tusks in her hair and I definitely see the, the true logo in the way the shape of her dress as well. Uh, very interesting. A very good catch there, Ben, I think. She's just all about the branding, really, isn't she? It is. I do, I I didn't. I don't see the elephant. I see the logo, the T logo, uh, and mm-hmm. I've I, I've seen that in multiple places in her office. If you go back to when we see multiple scenes of not just her inner sanctum, I want to call it, where it's the more Asian style, but when you see um, the actual office and the kind of the block of the Millennium Clock. Um, mm-hmm. that's more, there's a lot of symbolism and kind of tease. That's very much just corporate branding. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> ben also included one more piece of feedback. He says, I also found this image on Reddit of Jenny Slater's earrings, which look just like Kyle's brain bling, though a bit less bloody and included the image <laughs> as well. And sure enough, those are exactly 
the uh, bling that we see coming out of Cal's skull. It is the hydrogen atom, uh, which is just a mm. circle with a dot, i.e. Dr. Manhattan's um, super iconography. So we should explain, because if you haven't read the comic book, you'll have no idea who Jenny Slater is. <laughs> Jenny Slater is kind of the first girlfriend of John Osterman. Um, she is the person that he was... He was uh, engaged to early on before he became Dr. Manhattan and then tried to have a relationship with her for a while. Um, the earrings are symbolic in the comic book uh, that he would give them to uh, to Jenny Slater because it's a reference to the fact that he has this symbol on his head effectively. But Dr. Manhattan himself has that on his forehead. So actually the TV show is paying reference to the the symbol that he chose for himself to display how powerful he was to the world, like the atom bomb effectively to the world. Um, it's not really just taking it from the earrings of Jenny Slater. That's it's more the opposite way around. It's his own, it's his own symbol that he's using to give to Jenny Slater in the comic books and the TV show is referencing. Now, you know, this is definitely Dr. Manhattan inside Cal's body because uh, of the symbol being inside. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that uh, explanation. (laughs) Not just for me. It was for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Always here, Chris. Thank you. We got another email in from uh, Jimmy Uren. He says, another cracking episode this week. I'll be honest, there was a moment towards the start when I thought I might lose patience with with yet more flashbacks, but there was some great development this week. And I have to start by talking about those last few minutes of the episode. I can pinpoint the exact moment in my head when suddenly everything from the last few weeks made sense as Angela was walking into her house. Cal's amnesia, his non-belief in the afterlife, and her picking up the hammer. Wow. And as for that haunting version of Life on Mars, I totally agree. I can't think of any TV moment with a more appropriate soundtrack. And I spent a good few minutes after the end credits in silence, just taking it all in. Totally right, Jimmy. You know, that final moment of the episode, you know, I, I think we played the credits the whole way out just honestly, to listen to that version of Life on Mars by Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross. Um, Remember, Trent Reznor actually had a good friendship with David Bowie, who did the original of Life on Mars. So he actually talks about this recently as being a tribute to David Bowie and everything that that all their work together and was able to kind of work it into the show in a really good and symbolic way. But you also mentioned some really good points, that bit about Cal's amnesia. I love the reference earlier on in the episode where Lady True's talking to uh, Angela and saying to her, you know, amnesia never really happens in real life unless you're in a soap opera or something like that. Then it happens all the time. But in reality, it never happens. <laughs> and Angela's kind of going, oh, it did this time. Yeah, definitely did this time. <laughs> uh, his non-belief in the afterlife. Interestingly, we did point this out when he's talking to the kids and he's saying to them, you know, there is no God. There's no afterlife at all. And saying it as absolute fact and saying it with firm belief. And we just looked at it as that's what a lot of people who don't believe in God would believe, that there is no afterlife. You live your life and, and that's the end of it. But he believes that because, well, he has a, a God inside him, right? So he knows there's no afterlife because the God inside him tells him that, right? So it was a nice little indication, I suppose, and a, a signposting that this is who he was. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that's a really good uh, kind of certainty or adds the certainty behind uh, Cal's proclamation there, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really good. I think both sets of feedback, you know, just show the textures and the layers of detail within uh, all the previous episodes that mm-hmm. have have come back uh, and really are making a significance and are, in in effect, almost signposts to 
who Cal was um, and just other elements as well, like Ben talking about um, Cal meeting Agent Blake. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really good. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Jimmy continues, I guess it was inevitable Dr. M would make an appearance at some point with all the references to him in earlier episodes, but I don't know how I actually feel now he's in there. Whilst I like the alternative universe his presence has created in this story, he was never my favourite character in Watchmen, a story primarily about non-superpowered vigilantes and always seemed a bit overpowered. Perhaps it will take a while for him to fully recover after how many, however many years he's been inhabiting Cal, as otherwise I can't see where this will go now. See, I think this is really interesting. We've had some discussions since the episode aired. It end, ended on a cliffhanger, remember? So we haven't actually really seen Dr. Manhattan in the show yet. We've heard this conversation between Laurie and Dr. Manhattan saying, hey, baby, we're in serious trouble now. I need you back. Yeah. But we actually don't know how Dr. Manhattan's going to play into the universe yet. And people are getting really scared about, you know, this overpowered, as we say, super being in there. But remember in the comic books, he's not really the one that solves anything. He's not like Superman coming in and saving everybody on the planet. He makes his decisions and walks away because he's an uncaring, unfeeling being not connected to the world. So something's brought him back. And I want to know that story, which we're definitely getting in episode eight. We're definitely getting the story of why Dr. Manhattan is returning. And I'm really intrigued by that. But we haven't gotten anything at all of Dr. Manhattan on screen right now. So No, I, I mean, I, I suppose as well for me, the 7th Cavalry have to have some kind of pretty watertight plan mm-hmm. to get him in order to destroy him. Yeah. So he may not seem to have the weakness, but maybe he does have some form of weakness, but who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But they seem pretty confident, or at least Senator Keane does, um, that they're going to be in a position to capture him, destroy him, so that then... Senator Keane can be made in his image. Yeah, and in fairness, I don't think that they could have done this show without having Dr. Manhattan addressed at some point in the yeah. show. They've kept him off screen for seven episodes, um, but they couldn't have gone the full nine without having him involved in some major way in the show. We just don't know what that way is going to be, really, until uh, maybe even episode nine will reveal what his actual purpose in the show is going to be. Yeah, so. from the trailers, we did know that he appeared, or basically a blue-skinned hand in a suit reached down and picked up a blue-skinned mask. Mm -hmm. So we did know that there was going to be something like that. Um, So in my opinion, it was always going to come. I just thought it would be episode nine. Or he'd be like the uh, kind of ethereal person just always in the background walking around, doesn't interact kind Mm. of thing. Like just he'd be there but not interacting. Where I think this might go is one of two ways. One, as you said, he is a super uncaring, unfeeling person. So the potential is that when, as and when he, the full Dr. Manhattan comes back, he may just go meh and walk away. Mm. The other option is they may, as you guys say, trap him. They have, they have, they feel confident that they can control him uh, and take his powers. Um, The third and final is if you half Dr. Manhattan's power, um, and then split it between Keen and Dr. Manhattan, then you have very much a Superman v. Zod scenario where you have someone 
Idly, if you have his powers, then you have two people on the same power level. Okay. I don't think they'll go for option one or two. What I think very much will happen is he will be captured, and it will be on the unpowered vigilantes, the 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 police officers, to save him. I think that's yeah. a, a better way to tell us, especially when you focused on them for so long. Yeah, yeah. I I think the last the last episode really is going to be about the attempt to take his power, and they will be stopped in the attempt to take his power, whatever way that happens. I also can't imagine this show ending on just a happy, bright note of the world is safe now. I get a feeling there's going to be something, some quite major twist to end this show on a a dark note. But I'm intrigued by Dr. Manhattan's uh, appearance in the show. You know, I suppose it does tell you if he has been on Earth since 1985, if he didn't actually stay on Mars that whole time, if he's been around Angela Barr inside her husband's body, Cal, um, or her partner's body, Cal, if she's been there the whole time, well then that does mean that he's he's found a new link back to Earth to keep himself grounded. Because when I say he's on carrying and on feeling, the way it's described in the comic book is he says there's the same number of atoms in a dead person as a live person, right? So that means that he doesn't really pay any attention to human life as being superior or inferior to anything else. Everything else is equal, I suppose. So that can come across as very cold, and it is to every human that's ever encountered him, I suppose. So uh, so I'm really intrigued by how they're going to resolve that uh, in the next episode when we see this connection and this meeting between Angela and, and Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Mm-hmm. Jimmy continues, as for the rest of the episode, the Vietnam scenes are great. A fantastic child actor playing young Angela, the iconic use of James Brown's Living in America, as featured in Rocky IV, and the video shop origin for Sister Night. But I just feel a little flashbacked out at this point. However well done they are, and to be clear, they have all been excellent. I don't know. As I said before, I think this show is the one that's perfectly placed to give flashbacks. Um, That's that's how I feel. And we're going through multiple timelines as well. It's not just back to the 50s and and now and back to the 50s and now. Um, It's telling a story. And as you say, everything's wrapping up really well when we get to the close out of the season. uh, And as we're tying up all of the histories of all of these characters together, it's fleshing out of a storyline. You know, it's not like um, it's not like Lost in in my way that 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 people talk about the flashbacks and that because that was a hinge of every single episode of the show to develop every single character and it's definitely not like arrow where it was flashbacks to the same island over and over again to things that couldn't possibly have happened just so they can say this is how he learned how to use a gun because uh, on that island that he was on for only three years he did 75 years worth of training right oh we'll have to change it in the fourth season it's not like that we only have nine episodes and i think the flashbacks part of it or the telling of the backstory of the characters i think as you say has been done really well each time yeah i think there's a real richness here on the storylines and the flashbacks Mm -hmm. and i i think i mentioned it uh, last episode, I, I do feel it's actually a show that requires them. Mm. Um, I think just having a new run with new characters without the context of the um, the comics uh, and that history that's passed since the 1980s mm-hmm. would seem really decontextualized. It, you would be kind of going, well, you might as well not even call it The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. You, you don't even need these characters. And I, I think... Um, it's again flashbacks you you think of time passing you think of history and i think again this is all about time and whether it's history the times that we live in like it was in the 80s like it is now and so on so i it it, yeah i mean i think though if you don't like flashbacks then yeah or if uh you know i i can see that that 
could be an issue, but I actually just feel that the flashbacks feel completely natural for yeah. this type of storytelling. Yeah, I feel the same way, John. I, th- I know, Chris, you, you have a slightly different feeling about flashbacks overall because you've always had that with most of the Marvel shows where they have an episode that's flashback. You kind of, you'd like to disregard that and just move on to the next episode a lot of the time. I don't think it's always, f- it's flashbacks. I think it's the overuse. Um, typically, so in the Marvel ones, it was like a full episode and mm-hmm. it just because it takes you, usually it's the pause button. It's the, you're just about to go into a big thing. It's about the, the, you're coming to your, into your final third act and everything's starting to ramp up. And then it's like, wait, we're now going to give you why this is important. Mm. If told correctly, that stuff is great. But usually what it ends up doing when not told correctly, uh, it slows down the pacing of the show uh, of your final act so basically you're ramping up from uh, five six seven you're just about to get to eight and what they do is they pop back and they drop you back to a four or five um because of that slowdown in the pacing what i think they've done here is they've managed to integrate the overall feeling of these really important um flashbacks but actually what we see is that they have done it in a way that doesn't overall destroy the pacing. They've managed to, this episode, they, they just peppered in the flashbacks, but still giving you the current day pacing. Although that being said, episode eight needs to be minimal flashbacks. We're going to get flashbacks. <laughs> We're going to, it's just, we have to know why. And they're answering the questions. It's just we're four hours away from Doomsday. Uh, yep. Two two episodes, four hours. Um, <laughs> uh, when I say four hours, four hours within the actual universe in the TV show. They say that yeah. the, the event is happening in four hours. It's two hours of TV, two episodes. And if they spend 30 minutes of that, that two hours, mm-hmm. if it is not excellently told the pacing would just as you ramp into the final two episodes just it takes that dip all that being said so far this has been done really well and i want to make that clear like i i'm not (laughs) taking away from what they've done i think it's probably the best of all of it i think uh, of any and we've seen many flashback episodes i think this is one Mm -hmm. of the best this particular episode, episode seven? Yeah, episode seven was yeah. one of the best ones so far. No, actually, mm-hmm. I take that back. Six was one of the best ones. Six, just mm-hmm. directions. and But five, six, seven, those, the, the pacing as all, well, they've managed mm-hmm. to, rather than drop back to that five, they've managed to go from the seven to the six, just in terms of pacing, yeah. not in terms of enjoyment or overall love of it. Right. Yeah. If there is any flashback in episode eight, then we will look for that mushroom cloud somewhere over Dublin as <laughs> your head explodes. The the clock will strike midnight. It, it will less if it's extended period. So like if they go okay. thirty minutes, and if it's thirty minutes, and even you guys are looking at your watch, going, "Okay, what's happening? Come on, get to the good stuff." That's uh-huh. where it will be. You, you, you whiffed in the end. In fairness, I haven't done that all season. <laughs> I haven't once looked up a watch during the season to find out where it was going because the show has so complex I can't take my eyes off the screen at all for the full hour. What I will say, just to prepare you, Chris, we have already read out 
what what's going to happen in the next episode as the synopsis as we read at the end of episode seven the synopsis for episode eight is one line and it's angela zabar's story from vietnam so that is a flashback <laughs> at least the synopsis for episode seven told us that we were going to get some history of her and some information about adrian so they had two things about adrian we, we've got an so earth tremor we've I got an earth tremor we're probably going to have an hour-long flashback to vietnam just so you're <laughs> <laughs> if it's done well i will not mind but we'll see yes i think with 7.6 reached on the richter scale there <laughs> then uh we should continue with the feedback. It, is this a really good point, though, to point out that Chris is actually not going to be here for episode eight or episode eight feedback? <laughs> just so we know, because we do know that already Chris is going away. So he's not going away just because the episode of Flashback episode, Yes, right? unfortunately, fellow watchers, um, my day job is pulling me to a foreign country um, mm-hmm. where I will not be able to record with my fellow co-hosts. Uh, fear not, fear not. Get your bodies, your hands, your digits over onto <laughs> Facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. And on our feedback post, which Derek always puts up, which is our spoiler post, I will put my extensive thoughts on it. If it's just me, <laughs> a gif with someone's head exploding, you kind of know where mm. this is going. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see if that happens, Chris. <laughs> Continuing on with Jimmy's email. <laughs> Let's get back because we were in the middle of his email. <laughs> he says, it was good to have more time with Larry again and her one-liners when discussing the villain's evil plan. But I wonder how things will pan out with the return of Dr. M, whom she still seems to have feelings for. Will there be some sort of superhero love triangle? Will she need her old briefcase again? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> nice catch. Um, there is one thing from the comic books, if you haven't read the comic books, one really important detail about Dr. Manhattan. While he doesn't see a de- the difference between a dead human and a live human because the number of atoms are the same, he certainly seems to see the difference between an old human and a young human. <laughs> he basically dumps every one of his girlfriends as they get too old for him and goes for a younger model. That kind of seems to be what he's done here with Laurie and uh, Angela. Um, it would seem that maybe he went for Angela because he was the she was the younger model. It does seem that that would be a reason why there would be a bit of tension between Laurie and Angela. And that tension will only increase, I think, uh, when Dr. Manhattan reveals that he's back to Laurie. So uh, I think that will be an interesting one to see in the next episode or in episode nine. Ah, there's nothing wrong with upgrading in a model there. I'm a big man for upgrading my tech. So, you know, I'm just saying, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's definitely going to be an interesting thing to see what happens. Yeah. He is immortal, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the fireworks between Laurie and Angela, to mm-hmm. be honest. The two of them on screen have been fantastic yeah. this season. Yeah. I'm hoping there are fireworks to some degree or another. Um, whether they will be directed at each other or whether it will end up being directed at Dr. Manhattan, who mm-hmm. knows? But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Jimmy continues, and then the Adrian storyline. Hmm, this is the real elephant in the room for me. And being honest, it's getting a bit too zany to the point where it really does feel like a different show and is starting to detract from the main storyline. I know in episode one I wanted more humour in the series, but I never saw this scene coming. I am confident it will join up together next week, but if this goes into next season, it'll feel a bit cheated. So just jumping in here, Damon Lindelof has said that this season will wrap up. It will tie up the story. It will tie up everything. There is suspicions across multiple sources uh, that when and if season two happens, it will be completely different story. It will be, a, it won't mm. be Tulsa. It will, there may be one or two character crossovers, but it won't be focused on 
what's happened in season one. It will be, it will be, think American Horror Story. Set in the same mm-hmm. universe, different story, probably connecting characters to a degree. Okay, so does that mean then that Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshanks will get an awful lot of bacon butties by the end of this this series? Because <laughs> there's a lot of pigs to deal with in that courtroom. There certainly is. I, I really want a bacon butty now. Oh my god, I hate you. I'm so <laughs> hungry and I want a bacon butty. <laughs> <laughs> if it's getting wrapped up. Yeah, if the season... In a lovely yeah. soft roll and lovely crispy <laughs> bacon. Yeah, if this is even happening in real life, we don't know at all what's happening in Adrian's stuff. I have a feeling it's going on inside his head. It's something to do with that statue that's in uh, that's in Lady True's building, um, and there is yeah. a connection there. That's my feeling right now. I don't think it's happening. I think that's why it all seems really wacky is because it's playing out in Adrian's head. Agrees. So. Yeah, that that's yeah. definitely how I see it. After after that shot where it came and transitioned through and out of the statue, I think that's a real big hint that he is. Probably, you know, forged in in gold or whatever metal that is, and Maybe. he's kind of being held, preserved, captured, whatever it is, by by Lady True. Yeah, the whole pig thing in court was. I was just like, I kind of just forgot about it really because it. But it was one of those moments where it just zany is the right word for it. It was just okay, this is completely off the wall. This is like a Terry Gilliam kind of thing. Absolutely. To be yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it, it was just a little odd, even for me. <laughs> so, slightly off topic, because based on the amazing music that we've had and the mm-hmm. boatload of HBO money that they have, do you think yeah. they will do a version of Bohemian Rhapsody? Is this real life? Is this just fantasy? <laughs> no. Come on. The, can you imagine a no. Trent Reznor version of <laughs> cover of that? That would and they, they have the money to do it. I could see that and that would just be like another that would be another Bowie level like, oh my god, the music's amazing. No, 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 I can't handle it. I don't know where this whole thing came from, that wanting every show to have a musical episode or a musical moment in it. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Although, it seems like if you watch every single advert or every single movie, it seems like the Queen Queen's musical repertoire is sold for a penny. So they don't actually need a lot of money to get the rights to pay me in Rhapsody. It's in about 15 shows or adverts at the moment. So uh, I'm sure it wouldn't cost that much. I just can't imagine it happening. To be honest, and the way I'm looking at it with as the episodes go on with Adrian Veidt's storyline, I feel like I'm just looking at it going, oh, it'll be explained in two episodes time. It's fine. You know, everybody's worried that we're we only have two episodes left of the series. And all I'm going is, ah, grand. Well, we only have to wait two episodes before this bit is explained that nobody understands yet. That's all it feels like to me. (laughs) <laughs> I'll finish up before we uh, conclude this email by saying I'm with you guys now. I think he is in the statue of some kind. In a, mm. Think of it like the Matrix. He's in. He's probably encased in gold with a band on his head, or he's mm. in. A, he gold is a statue of. He's in a pod somewhere lower in the ground in that tower with a literally a helmet on him, and it's all in VR. It's all a simulation, uh, and he's he's imprisoned there. That's his prison, which is basically like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that. I feel there's something going on there. They've trapped him inside carbonite or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Back to Jimmy's email, he says, It was a shame to have another episode without Looking Glass, just as I was getting to like his character. Like Derek, I had the same theory that he'd pinched the last Rorschach mask and gone undercover with the cavalry. But then again, the show loves to lay red herrings, so I won't be surprised if it turns out completely differently. Overall, though, a really good episode, and I'm really excited to see how this pans out as we approach the end of the season. P.S. Wondering what Lady T's giant clock could be. My theory is it contains a recording of John and repeat saying the doomsday clock is now at <laughs> five minutes to midnight. <laughs> me, 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 me. Yes, and me, that is me, why me. the world ends, because just having John saying that on repeat drives everyone <laughs> mad. <laughs> exactly. The doomsday clock is now at five minutes to midnight. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. With no uh, no audio treatment added to your voice either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I think it'd be quite good if I just boomed out the... The warnings and from Lady True's big pole in, in the sky, or giant clock. <laughs> so technically the warning is, there are two minutes to John saying the doomsday clock is now at five minutes to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's ears bleeding. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of your thoughts there. Uh, Jimmy, your email actually wasn't that long. It wasn't massively long, but you came up with so many great points to talk about that it's been probably 20 minutes of, uh, of just <laughs> discussing your thoughts. Really great. No, I really love these thoughts, and it's one of the great things about this show. Everybody has some really interesting ideas and interesting thoughts about the show, so we really enjoyed discussing them. Thanks very much for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jimmy, for, for the feedback, and also uh, Benjamin from uh, before. I think, though, Hark, do I hear a voicemail? You do, yes. We have a voicemail from Steve Brown. Hey guys, it's Steve, and wow, um, just as I've been doing the last several weeks, uh, my very first watch of episode seven of Watchmen, I just can't, um, wow. Uh, that is huge, this reveal, um, to, to the point where for me, it, like it literally trumps everything else at this point. Like I don't even care about all the rest of this conspiracy and stuff. Just finding out about this, about Dr. Manhattan and about how he became Cal and about how, uh, or how, whatever, how that happened, uh, is, is going to be amazing going forward. I can't, I'm so excited for the next episode and I'm so excited, uh, to watch this episode, uh, a few more times before I even podcast about it because wow, so much to talk about. Um, the, I love the shot at the beginning when uh, Angela is talking to Beyond and you can see her reflection in Beyond's glasses. The, the, we've talked about the cinematography on this show and that is just one of those shots that I really, uh, thought it was really, really cool. When I saw it, I, uh, I was just amazed at uh, everything else and I, uh, um, you know, we still don't know exactly what happened to Wade. I have a theory. I think Wade has infiltrated the, uh, seventh cavalry somehow, uh, by putting that mask on. And we're going to find out, uh, sometime in the next couple episodes, I guess, where he's at, that he stole the guy's mask who's in the, uh, <laughs> a trap door. <laughs> There's just so many things that, uh, I'm, uh, uh <laughs> stream consciousing this, this voicemail to you guys. Uh, it was hilarious when, uh, Francis Fisher dropped, Agent Blake through the trap door and then her reveal to uh, Senator Keene and just uh, everything else. Um, uh, I can't wait for the next episode. Uh, talk to you guys later. 
I love it. Thanks so much, Steve. I love that you don't care about anything else at all now other than how Dr. Manhattan got into the body of Cal. Because you're right. It's just one of those moments that goes, hang on a second. What just happened there? <laughs> yeah, it's the WTF moment. Mm-hmm. It's the Luke, I'm your father. <laughs> yeah, pr- Pretty much, yeah. Who cares about anything else? Any yeah. other conspiracy theories? Anything that's happened in the other episodes? How the hell did that happen? <laughs> I, I will say, though, I said it on our last podcast. I'm going to say it again. I want a trapdoor. I think I need a trapdoor and a sliding, but because now this is a, remember it's a trapdoor and it's a secret hidden compartment in your wardrobe. Judd had an amazing interior decorator. He's mm. like he's literally gone to Batman's decorator and went, you know what? Um, I need a secret compartment <laughs> yeah. here. I need a trapdoor to the basement here. Um, do you have a do you have a pole that can take me between floors? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I need oh. a bat cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I just also, um, yeah, I need a retractable courtyard, like a basketball court that can kind of come out and things, either I can drive a car out of it or land a plane in it, you know, just one mm. of those normal everyday things that a person in Tulsa has. Yeah, yeah. And maybe if he'd gone to the right contractor, he wouldn't have just had his grandfather's KKK robe sitting right inside the door of a wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, that yes. was... A- Still a really, really stupid choice, even if he's not a racist. That got him killed, basically. So, yeah, <laughs> not a great idea. Not a great idea. Uh, Thank thanks you so much so for your much, vo- Steve. voicemail, Steve. Um, I know Steve's podcast, Panels of Pixels, talking about this episode of Watchmen, episode seven, uh, usually comes out on a Friday. Uh, always good to get another perspective, definitely, uh, on these shows, hearing as many podcasts as possible, hopefully providing a different type of discussion, because there are hundreds of podcasts out there about it. Uh, but check out Steve, um, Stephen Mark Kirkman's uh, Panels to Pixels talking about Watchmen, because uh, it's good fun hearing uh, another perspective on it. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Yes, thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, and we also have some feedback over on our Facebook group, uh, over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. <laughs> First off, Amy Fitzgerald, holy schnikes or holy bat poles, Batman. Um, Mr. Lindelof, I now forgive you for the ending of Lost. Uh, I love it, Amy. Um, you have put into words my thoughts. Um, it was heaven. Right. Purgatory, it was not, it? no. <laughs> I will always keep saying that. I know you will, because you know how much it angers me. When yes, exactly. The ending of Lost um, wrong. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Amy, uh, for that. I, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, this is a really just jaw dropping moment here by um the the showrunner uh, Damon Lindelof uh, but also all the other writers in the writers room um on Watchmen for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh Sergio Collins over on our Facebook group also says the whole season's been great and episode 6 was near perfect television but episode 7 will forever be in the most shocking reveal moments in television history uh, on YouTube videos in the future i i think you're right sergio i think not only with hammer time but uh just that hammer time leads to atom time being sort of extracted from uh, poor cal's head and that glowing hue of blue in the room as, as uh, Angela looks on to Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool stuff. Excellent yeah. stuff. Yeah, thanks so much and, and welcome to the group uh, Sergio. Sergio, and join us this week on our Facebook group. Um, so, come join. Yeah, always good to have you over there. Yes. But boys, I think it's about time we dive into the one and only website that you go to for all 
of your most important Watchmen information. And I'm not talking about tvpodcastindustries.com. No, no, no. I'm not talking about wikipedia.com. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm talking about hbo.com slash pedopedia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, just two documents on here on Pedipedia this week. Uh, one is an investigation by Del Petey to look up why Angela Ebar would have chosen Sister Night as her alter ego. <laughs> he references the fact that everybody that puts on a mask has to have a kind of a backstory, has to write their backstory as to why they chose this name. And that in her profile, all it says is three words, watch the movie, <laughs> which I really like. Uh, he comes up with this whole backstory. I love that these things are written by the actual writers of the show. The whole concept of this is that um, the movie that we see within the TV show uh, Sister Night, uh, the nun with the mother gun, uh, that movie is obviously not a real movie, but they come up with a whole backstory from it. Uh, effectively, these movies were created and came to prominence in Vietnam alone because a lot of African-Americans moved from the U.S. into Vietnam because of the racism in Nixon-era mainland USA. All part of, I suppose, the comic book history with Nixon uh, staying a much longer a president than he uh, he was in the USA of the real world, I suppose. Uh, this drove a lot of African-Americans to go to the new world of Vietnam. And when they got there, they found that they were alone and they were singular. They stood out quite significantly and felt separate to everybody else. So the whole black exploitation era that you would have gotten in the US and in New York, um, pre- predominantly in, and in various places across the US, that's much more focused in Vietnam and has been focused on the African-American community that are living there. So I thought that was quite interesting uh, that they have that. Um, they mentioned the fact that Sister Knight goes up against the not, the not Tops in the movie. So again, the characters from the comic book, the, the kind of gang that's in the comic book, um, the, they describe it. I, I must admit, I'm Irish, so I've probably got the top level standout movies from black exploitation of the 70s and movies that kind of were breakout hits i don't have a huge frame of reference but the way they describe it it sounds like the star uh stacy teague sounds quite similar to pam greer uh, who was foxy brown uh you may remember pam greer in jackie brown as well um, yeah so they kind of reference that she's like that she's kind of kind of sassy and cool and and all the things that embody the character uh, that's why the movie was a success and they also say the theme tune was a massive standout and everybody was singing it and it went to number one in the charts so kind of similar to shaft which would be a bigger standout than the movie a lot of people hadn't seen the movie but everybody knows the theme from shaft right so that's what this movie sounds like so it was a, a massive success for a movie that should have been opening to a very small audience i suppose cool yeah that's good stuff i like the other thing uh, that PC references here, which is that Will Reeves uh, buys back um, the cinema uh, back in the 70s. And with Angela being his granddaughter, that uh, Will then begins to show this movie every week in mm-hmm. the cinema in tribute to her. So I think that's a nice little touch, actually. It's referencing the fact that he's had an eye on her. Uh, yes. I suppose that he knows what's going on in her life, which is quite cool, you know, and then suddenly he just starts to show the movie from the moment that she takes on the mantle, which is quite interesting. Um, they also referenced a couple of other little things that I thought was, was quite interesting. Uh, they referenced the fact that there is a Batman movie made in the 70s, which is a parody of the Minutemen member Mothman, kind of a flip from the comic book creating Mothman being a parody of the DC Comics character Batman, I suppose. So a nice little, nice little reference there, kind of uh, flipping them back and forth. I said earlier on, we come back to this as well. Another movie mentioned is a parody of Dr. Manhattan called The Black Superman. And in real life, there is a movie from 1977 called A Bar, The First Black Superman. 
So nice little touches there. You, I never would have gotten that reference between Calabar being Dr. Manhattan and the black Superman, this movie in just this Pedopedia file uh, being a reference to this movie called Abar. So uh, nice little connections there, I suppose. Yeah, I, I do like this. Um, I, I like the fact that potentially this can also be uh, in the multiverse in DC. Uh, mm. there, is, there is a black Superman who's also president of the United States of America. Um, and it's an interesting take on the whole um, Cal coming from Krypton, that type of thing. Um, and it's re- it's a really, really, if anyone gets Garth Ennis' uh, multi- Multiversity, I think it's called, that was okay. that one, um, where he takes all these different characters from across the multiverse. Um, mm-hmm. But there's this whole piece on Black Superman. Um, yeah. And I don't know if there is an A-bar or if there's a, maybe it's a Rabar, Rabba. Kind of, it's a play on words, backwards, who knows? But I'm assuming right. there's also going to be some nice nods there. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, one other reference that uh, PZ does make in this uh, exploration that he's done, I suppose, of these superhero movies, uh, a lot of them have gone, have kind of passed away out of, out of the hands of, of local people in the US. They're available in, in Vietnam and in some small places, but a lot of places they don't exist anymore. And what he's saying is that it's interesting that it rose out of the idea that in the real world, most superheroes or most costumed heroes are white. And it turns out that actually, if they'd gotten their facts right, the first superhero was black. So, uh, so it kind of, he was, he's kind of jokes about the fact that this whole thing grew up out of the fact that everybody's being told that they can't be a superhero because they're not white. And if they'd known the truth, maybe they would have been inspired to be superheroes themselves kind of idea. So, uh, so quite cool. Uh, the other document, um, guys, is the medical report for Calvin Jelani. Not a huge amount in here, really. It's just a, it's just a medical report, but it does tell you some interesting things about Cal. Go on. First up, I don't know whether I, I should have guessed this, but his name's not Calvin Abar. He is named Calvin Jelani. Uh, that's Angela Abar. That's not a married name that, um, but, it says that he, she brought him to the hospital after he had some form of accident and told them most of the story. The doctor that's writing up the medical report is constantly referencing the fact that he doesn't speak very often and Angela seems to have done some kind of investigation into his past and hands over this information to him. So almost the idea that Angela is an unreliable narrator for Cal's past in a way. The doctor is suspecting there's something going on, but doesn't really do much about it. Um, she says that he doesn't have any kind of family at all. Um, he doesn't know his mother, doesn't know his grandparents, and his father has Alzheimer's. So um, you wonder, does, was Cal a victim picked by Manhattan and Angela because he doesn't have any family? Was he picked out to be the vessel for Dr. Manhattan? Um, they described that he was found with a contusion in his forehead, which is no longer vis- visible by the time he gets to the hospital. So he looks like he hasn't had an accident, but because she said he has a contusion and when she describes what area he was found in, they go, oh, he must have had an accident with a bike or a car. And that's what they write in the report. So there's no actual documentation about an actual accident, if that makes sense. It's just yeah. coming from yeah. guesswork and piecing together of this item. Um, they recommend an MRI for him to actually see what's happening inside of his brain. And if an MRI had been done, they probably would have found that thing that's inside of his brain. But Cal refused, saying he had no insurance because he'd only just arrived in Vietnam. Um, so quite, quite interesting ideas. And then the doctor does finally say that he suspects something is wrong because he's acting differently than other patients who experience memory loss. He is uh, very quiet, very respectful, doesn't act out at all and allows Angela to explain what's going on. And finally, he takes a 
an interest or a very deep interest in the Dr. Manhattan bobblehead that the Doctor has on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Nice little gag at the end, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. It's leading more into my thoughts of, I don't know if there was ever a Calvin Jelani. Is it that after a point, Dr. Manhattan has figured out how to pull all different molecules and atoms from around him and create a skin suit with blood and things like that that he he puts over himself and Maybe. it's maintained by a little thing um yeah. because of this whole he has no family who known he doesn't know his mother he doesn't know his grandparents because they would have most more than like you would assume that they would have kind of reached out at a later point it's like hey your son we found your son your grandson your your cousin here in vietnam mm-hmm. They, like, they would have tried to contact someone in, Amer- in America. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think I suppose that that the good part about it is while it does give you information, it gives you from a perspective of somebody that hasn't met Cal before, a doctor uh, who's been given all the information by a police officer who is someone very trustworthy to the doctor. So he doesn't question a huge amount. He just wonders and has this idea that maybe Cal is being coerced slightly or being guided slightly into a story that may not be a hundred percent accurate, but he's not, he's not pushing too far, but you're right, Chris, there is, there is the idea that it could be either way. It could either be that Cal is created or that Cal is the vessel for Dr. Manhattan. Exactly. Like we thought at the end of episode seven. Yeah. I mean, I I like this kind of shade, I suppose that's being placed on Angela here Mm -hmm. uh, within this uh, medical document. Just this idea that he suspects that, Either Cal is not telling the truth because of his um, symptoms and as well that Angela um, might be sort of not the most trustworthy. You know, he's suspicious of her in this moment. Mm. Um, So I I think that's quite good because I think, um, you know, there have been moments in the show where I suppose Angela's rationale what she's doing has kind of suddenly been thrown under the bus by the writers. And, and, uh, you know, you see that, uh, with agent Blake when they first meet and you see her trying to cover up around judge Crawford until she, she spots the grandmaster KKK robes, you know, and it, it seems as though she, she started to distance herself from that, but uh, th- there's a little bit of uh, suspicion around her and, and that's it in some respects. I suppose with the reveal of Dr. Manhattan in this episode, in episode seven, that's her motivation. And now we need to know what the detail of that motivation is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it'll be, you know, the episode eight will be really interesting because it's funny, such a central character. Um, and in a sense, she has been that enigma throughout here. You know, which side is she on? What's, the deal here. She's been standoffish um, with people. Yeah. And yeah, so it, really interesting. Anyway, that's it for Pedopedia for this week. Um, not a huge amount of, of extra information, I think, because the episode itself was a time bomb dropped kind of cliffhanger episode. Everybody's waiting to see what actually is happening next episode next week. So, um, so I think they're allowed to uh, be a bit light on information this week, but some fun stuff, I think. Definitely. Uh, I just can't wait to see what will happen next. But before we find out what is going to be coming towards us in episode eight, hark, I think it's the time someone walks into a bar. And you know what that means? It's the Watchmen Pub Quiz. 
we're in pub quiz. John, take it away. So the reason John was quite quiet at the beginning of the podcast was because he was writing up the question. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so he was involved, obviously, in our discussions, and he has heard all of the feedback, and he has given his words, but he wants to make sure he had a good question for the pub quiz this week. So uh, that's why he was a little quiet earlier on. Yes, apologies, fellow watchmen, but I hope you all have your favourite tipple, whether that's a pint of the black stuff, a gin and tonic, maybe a glass of the sparkly stuff. You name it, uh, you should be drinking it at this very moment as we get into the Watchman pub quiz question this week. So we're on episode 7, and this is question 7. Here we go. In Vietnam before the explosion... How many marionettes were being operated at the puppet show in episode 7 of the HBO Watchmen series? And a bonus point, if you can split the total number of marionettes by the different characters that they represent. So there are a possibility of two points for this question. The point one for the total number of marionettes on the puppet show Mm -hmm. and a second point if you can say how many marionettes were of this character how many marionettes were of that character and so on interesting yeah i like that one john and a little easier than the episode six question we've had a few uh questions about a a moment in the episode where they have to pause the screen which can only be paused for like a millisecond where you get the answer right and if you pause it a little bit later the answer is wrong so this one may be a little bit easier for our fellow watchers Yes, I think it could be. I was toying with the number of pigs in the courtroom, which would have been impossible. The number of jury members in the courtroom, Uh uh, which was pretty tough as well. But yeah, no, I thought the marionettes, just because it's that explosive start for Mm -hmm. episode seven. And remember, fellow watchers, uh, providing your answers uh, as you will up until uh, the the final discussion of episode nine because then our feedback episode uh, for episode nine we will reveal the answers and the winner mm-hmm. so again another reason why i'm just putting a little bonus point in is that it may separate some of the contenders mm-hmm. who are coming in uh, with answers and of course you can send the answers for any of the questions so far uh through in a single go, or you can send them in week by week. It's entirely up to you. I think nearer the time as well, we will just recap those questions uh, as well. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure whether we were going to do that. Okay, interesting. So that will probably be in the episode 8 feedback. We'll recap all of the questions. Add one more in the final episode 9 is discussion. I'll make sure John puts that right up front so you don't have to listen to the full podcast to get the question. Um, So John will have that in our episode 9 discussion. And then when we do our final wrap-up episode for Watchmen, we'll answer all the questions and we will provide the winner. Yes, and I will take out of the HBO Watchmen series from all of the (laughs) questions as well. Very good. Um, Excellent. Thanks for the question, John. Thank you very much for joining us, fellow watchers. We'll be back next week with our chat about episode eight, A God Walks Into a Bar, or A God Jumps Into a Bar. John, would you like to read the basic synopsis for the episode? I will, yes. Angela's mysterious past in Vietnam is at last revealed. Flashback. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Chris is exploding. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> Until next time, fellow watchers, keep watching The Watchmen.
Yes, thank you so much, fellow watchers. Appreciate having you here. Appreciate your feedback. Make sure you pop over to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or go on to Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash tvpodcastindustries and make sure you give us those sweet, sweet words. And of course, remember, you can subscribe, leave a review, and importantly, share the podcast because sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Another way to support us is uh, through Patreon. Uh, so if you want to, you can head on over to Patreon and to the TV podcast industries. There is a link on our website uh, and support us uh, in that way as well. And um, there are multiple ways to support uh, the podcast and TV podcast industries. And we, as always, thank you so much for that support. As always, fellow watchers, uh, it was great having you on board for the feedback episode. Uh, and we cannot wait to speak with you again. So remember, keep watching, keep listening. Bye. 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 This was a Televisual Podcast Industries production. You have been listening to The Watchmen Podcast.